Last night, President Biden addressed the American people from the Oval Office, from behind the Resolute Desk, flanked by the flags of the Office of President of the United States and the American flag. This is the seat of America's power. This is the office where Franklin Roosevelt and Winston Churchill sat together and where FDR mixed cocktails for the British prime minister during history's darkest hours. When a great access controlled much of the world's territory and vast swaths of its oceans. In that moment in time, a gun was pointed at America and freedom was greatly threatened. In the end, 405,000 Americans would die in the Second World War. Franklin Roosevelt always suspected, always knew the dangers ahead. He knew the inevitability of war because he knew the character of the Axis powers. Today is not then, but there are parallels. The world that we live in today was certainly shaped by Franklin Roosevelt and his broad vision and epic imagination. He talked about the world that would emerge after the Second World War with a lot of optimism. FDR imagined a world of four freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. He talked about these freedoms. He talked about his aspirations, both publicly and privately. His greatest vision was a world at peace. And all of the institutions that have existed for the last 80 years that have built that world are under stress and under threat. And that is what he talked about last night. He talked about this country, the richest nation in the history of the world, what Roosevelt called the vast arsenal of democracy, giving a $100 billion aid package to two vital American allies that are under attack, that are under assault from deadly foes. Think about China, a part of this new world access that President Putin, the Russian dictator, is trying to bring into existence. The Chinese state harvests the organs of its political prisoners for sale on a global black market. It imprisons its people in concentration camps. The Russian state, in addition to committing tens of thousands of war crimes, has kidnapped tens and tens of thousands of Ukrainian children. They seek to wipe out a people, a state. Vladimir Putin's position with regard to Ukraine is precisely the same as Hamas's and Iran's position with regard to the state of Israel and the Jews, which is that it doesn't exist and it should be wiped off the face of the earth. It is unacceptable in the 21st century, and that is why President Biden spoke to the American people from the Oval Office last night. Now, the men 
who fought in the Second World War. A lot of them were born exactly 100 years ago. They were born between 1920 and 1924. They were men like Jimmy Carter and George Herbert Walker Bush, both men born in 1924. Jimmy Carter stayed in the Naval Academy, graduating in 1946 when the war was over. George Herbert Walker Bush became the youngest fighter pilot in the United States Navy. He was 19, flying off of aircraft carriers into combat. I looked at my son the other day. He's 17, tall, six foot one, big broad smile on his face, mop haired, like all of his friends, young, thin, goofy. They don't look so different to me than the pictures of the young men in black and white who were born a hundred years ago as they stood in civilian clothes being sworn in to the United States military in 1940, 1941. The men and the women that Tom Brokaw said were part of the greatest generation, John Kennedy's generation, forged by depression, seasoned in the flames and fire of the Second World War. They were all young men once, young women once. They looked exactly like all of our kids. But I looked at my son for the first time, and I wondered. I wondered about his destiny. It seems so improbable, incredible even, as someone who is 53 years old. It's incredible to think about the world that was, for a brief moment, for a decade or so, at the end of the Cold War. There was a famous author, historian, Francis Fukuyama. He posited that history was at its end, that small L liberalism, democracy, was triumphant, ascendant. The argument was over. The world had entered something of an enlightened age. It didn't turn out to be. And as crazy as that premise sounds, it wasn't so crazy back then. When Bill Clinton, a young president, talked about building a bridge to the 21st century, it was an exciting place. It was a peaceful place. There were infinite possibilities. Certainly, when I was in my 30s, though there was war in the world, it was fantastical to imagine a world in flames again, a world on the edge of war. But here we are at the quarter point of the 21st century. And I'm looking at my son and I'm wondering, is this generation of Americans going to fight? Are they going to fight and die in faraway places again? Are they going because our politicians have learned none of the lessons of history? Because the United States House of Representatives is held hostage and under siege by a caucus that's a gang of imbeciles, of vandals of unfit, disordered personalities 
that hate their fellow citizens, that despise democracy, that are interested in only one thing, their power and being famous. Are we really, as a people, going to tolerate that? The continuum that exists between Franklin Roosevelt and Joseph Biden has only been broken by one man. This obligation, this American obligation, and let's be clear about it, it is our obligation. It's our responsibility, not out of altruism, but out of self-interest. Because if the chaos comes close, then American boys, like my son, die. And all over the world, there are white graves of young men who have left these shores in expeditionary forces to push back the evil, push back the chaos, to defend a concept that if it is doused, may not rekindle for a thousand years of time. That's what liberty is. That's what freedom is. Please understand something. The Russians have kidnapped tens and tens of thousands of Ukrainian children, disappeared them, and taken them east. Will they ever be seen again? I want you to think about this if you hear my voice, if you're a young person, if you're a parent. Can you imagine being separated from your child, from your parents, kidnapped and taken away by an army that is in your country, invading it, raping? And killing? Can you imagine hiding in a bomb shelter while terrorist killers outside hurl grenades into it? And your only chance of survival is that the shrapnel and the blast are absorbed by the dead bodies all around you? Can you imagine the noise, the sound, the screams, the smell? Can you imagine what it's like to have missiles raining down, rockets raining down? What it feels like to be burned alive in the seconds before you know it happened? Can you imagine being burned alive? Imagine the terror, knowing the flames are about to touch you, the searing heat. Can you comprehend it? And the answer is, of course not. All of this is incomprehensible, yet it is real, but not in Congress, because there the reality show goes on, and it risks real lives, American lives. There are almost 40 of our people, Americans, that were killed by Hamas terrorists. President Biden 
was very clear about something. American forces are not going to fight in Ukraine. But they will have to fight if Russia wins in Ukraine and Putin does what he said he would do, which is reincorporate the Baltic states or take back parts of Western Poland. The world is on fire. All over the world, armies are moving closer to each other on the border of Kosovo and Serbia and Europe, on the border of Azerbaijan and Armenia and Central Asia. Israel is under siege on three sides by a terrible menace to the world, Iran, that seeks nuclear weapons. The only hope for peace is the strength of the United States. Look at your children today. These are the hours that count. The United States must arm the democracies so they can fight. And we do not have to. How can it be in 2023 that this central commonsensical lesson of history is not understood by members of the United States Congress in the MAGA party. Or maybe it is understood. It's understood perfectly in the same way it was understood by Charles Lindbergh. You see, these people rooted for the Nazis in Europe at that time. They fetishized the fascists because they wanted to be like them. And they wanted to rule like them. And they wanted all of us to live like the people in those despotic fascist countries lived. In fear and terror of the powerful. And we must say no. This moment is a moral moment. In an immoral time. The United States of America must arm the freedom-loving peoples of the world in their hour of need when a terrible monster has arisen again to try to snuff out the flame of liberty. This is no joke. It is no exaggeration. And if we do not support the people who are willing to die in a fight for their freedom, then Americans will die in huge numbers in a fight for ours. And you know that is true because it has always been true time and time again. <laughs>